0: Hey guys, Sonny D here. Thanks for tuning in to the YFYI podcast. On today's episode, we're going to continue with a live recording from Storytime where we are discovering, digging into, dissecting, inspecting the life of Steve Jobs in the beginning of one of the most iconic companies ever, Apple Computer. On this episode, we're going to talk about that make-or-break first product. You know, getting it to market, getting the first sale, forming the partnership. You know, you'll hear about some mistakes that some people made that, whether they want to admit it or not, they're regretting right now. And we're going to talk about how the hope and reality dichotomy um, can exist, does exist, and why belief. Is So important when you're beginning a new venture. So a lot of cool things, a lot of cool insights, a lot of fun facts about Apple, about Steve, about those early days on this episode. So hope you guys enjoy. Let's get into the episode. All right, here we go. Here we go. Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Welcome, welcome. It's time. I've got a deal for you guys. I've got a deal for you. If you are watching this on Instagram, go ahead and share the stream. Share it with your peeps. If you're watching this on Facebook, share it, share it, share it. If you're listening to this, whether you're live on Twitter listening, whether you're live on facebook one of the pages share this stream this is story time we're going to get into it and i've got a deal for you guys this morning this computer that is featured behind me which you may or may not be able to see if you're on instagram you're probably not going to be seeing it uh, right now but you'll see it in the um, image behind me on facebook and if you're listening to this on the podcast you may not necessarily be able to see it, right? Unless you can just imagine, I'm gonna describe it to you. But it kind of looks like an old, I don't know, like almost like an old top to a dresser, maybe like an old, you know, a nightstand. It's like wood, it's brown, it's got some screws in it. It's got a word kind of etched into the back of it. Um looks like it might be etched out of the wood in the back of it. And here's the thing. If you wanted to get this piece of whatever, piece of furniture that's behind me, this that's being featured, it would cost you uh, potentially up to like a million dollars right now. And what this is, what this is that I'm talking about, is the Apple One computer the first ever computer that Steve Jobs Steve Wozniak put together the Apple One computer and it could cost you up to a million dollars this is one of the original ones sold out of the garage in 1976 that has fetched up to six hundred seven hundred thousand dollars Um, as a collector's item I know the Henry Ford Museum bought one and I'll share some other details about this but this computer right here this is the original Apple One computer this is and if you fast forward and think about what you're working with today you know what you have maybe in your hand or you have you know at your fingertips if you've got like a Macbook or you've got an iMac the technology that you're working with today, in 1976, this was the top of the line. This was the the original, uh, the original, tada, the original machine that Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak produced, the Apple One computer. So I'm going to share with you just a few facts about the Apple uh, One when it comes to the original. Um, it's And it says it could reach, and this was just a few years back, a million dollars at auction. So the only known, and this was 2014, on December 11th, the only known surviving Apple One computer, personally sold by Steve Jobs out of his parents' garage in 1976, was going to be offered at an auction. The auctioneer, Christie's, estimates a sale price between 400000 and six hundred thousand dollars but just last week it says the Heart, the Henry Ford Museum bought a similar Apple one at auction for nine hundred and five thousand dollars and that particular computer lacked documentation tying it directly to Steve Jobs we wouldn't be surprised if this Apple one which is still in fully working order incidentally sells for over 1 million dollars making it by far the most expensive computer relic in the world so why would somebody want this because I mean it's hand-built it's hand-built by the creators of Apple computer it's hand-built by Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak it's hand-built in their garage in their parents and Steve's parents garage in 1976 in Palo Alto, California you know so when you think about you know this device and then you fast forward you know 50 years later you know almost not quite 40 40 plus years later 45 where are we at 45 years later um, what we have today yeah it's definitely a collector's item but it's a piece of history I mean, it, it marks kind of the really the new industry, the personal computing industry, you know, with this with this device. So I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, a million dollars people would pay just to have that piece of history and to be able to say, hey, this was actually built by this guy, Steve Jobs, and, you know, who passed away unfortunately um, before his time, and to have that piece of equipment, to have something like that, unbelievable. And so today I want to continue, as we were talking about Steve Jobs, I've been reading, I've been reading from the book by Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs, his biography. Um, you've got a picture of later in life Steve Jobs on the cover, and then you've got a picture of the younger in life Steve Jobs on the back. But Walter Isaacson wrote this book. He's written in several um, biographies, incredible pieces of work. And where I left off, you know, they had just kind of formed up the company. And I want to talk a little bit about these beginning phases and share some stories today um, about those beginning phases. Because some of you guys out there, you may be, you know, in the middle of starting a company. And one of the big things that when you're first getting started with anything um, that you're faced with is a a certain level of belief. Right? You're going to be talking to new people that are going to be joining you on this crusade, on this mission, on this unknown journey. And so there's a certain amount of belief that people have to have in you because there's a hope and there's a reality. And the dichotomy between hope and reality, for some people, you know, they hope their business is going to work. For some people, they hope, you know, it's just like anything, right? If it's untested, you hope it's going to work so when Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak are starting Apple Computer there's a lot of hope there but then there's also the reality of it may not work there's the reality of it's untested there's the reality of we're gonna build a company neither of us have ever built a company before so necessarily we don't know what we're doing and it could fail and just like a lot of businesses a lot of businesses do fail when they first start, and that's just i mean ninety seven ish percent of businesses fail when they first start, so why would their why would their company be any different? Why would their company you know break the mold? What's so special about their company that they're going to be the breakout ones they're going to be the ones that actually make it nothing you know so you're trying to you know talk people into stuff you're trying to sell them your vision you're trying to get them to get on board with you and that's kinda of what was going on so Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak the starters they they felt you know that they had something they believed you know but they're in a garage you know they're putting together computers by hand you know they're building a you know a computer a personal computer that they'd be surprised if they could get the keyboard you know to work with a monitor you know so this is kind of where they were at you know when they first started this company and this is where a lot of companies are at especially if it's something brand new you know when I started you know my company it wasn't a, a brand new it wasn't like a brand new you know it's never been done before idea I was gonna open a hair salon and the big you know scheme of things we're gonna cut we're gonna color hair those things have been being done for you know <laughs> ever so it wasn't like, oh, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna attempt to pick up a pair of scissors and cut hair. This is like a whole new concept. It wasn't. Um, but what we were gonna do that was a little different for us, you know, for me when I was starting is we were gonna focus on uh, people with no experience coming right out of school um, to kind of build from the ground up. So that was a little bit of a different approach. And not knowing the fear of the unknown is it going to work um, is it not going to work nobody knows but you got to be willing to take a chance and see what happens and so that's where they were at Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak that's where they were at when they began this journey you know building this first computer you know out of the garage out of Steve's parents garage and him and Wozniak are in there um Wozniak is still working full time at Hewlett-Packard right he's still working there and he's, um, you know, he's not really, he's not really wanting to quit. You know, he's a company man. He's got a job. He wants to, you know, he wants to really, you know, kind of keep that and then do this little side hustle, this little side project they got going on on the side. And they had just created the name of their company. They decided Apple because Steve was working in a, on a compound and and having a, um, a little harvest of apples. And he thought it was a you know a pretty safe name, friendly name, welcoming name, name that made you wonder. You know, it didn't really sound like a technology company. So they decided on Apple Computer because they didn't come up with anything else. And so he had put that little time period and said, if we don't think of anything else, you know, we got to form our paperwork and start our company. We're going to call it Apple. And so then Apple is born. Uh, but the challenge now is Wozniak, who's really the builder, the tech builder. the the two you know Steve is more of the business the marketing the uh, pitch man you could say that as well Um, and the visionary you could say that for sure because he sees things that you know He sees around corners right? he sees things that don't necessarily exist in the physical form in the current day Um, he sees things and so he's definitely that visionary and then you've got Wozniak the the hands-on the tinkerer and so they're ready to go, but Wozniak's working at HP, and that's what we're gonna kinda pick up here. So Wozniak was not ready to commit full-time. He was an HP company man at heart, or so he thought, and he wanted to keep his day job there. Jobs realized he needed an ally to help corral Wozniak and adjudicate if there was a disagreement. So he enlisted his friend, Ron Wayne, the middle-aged engineer at Atari who had once started a slot machine company. Wayne knew that it would not be easy to make Wozniak quit HP nor was it necessary right away. Instead, the key was to convince him that his computer designs would be owned by the Apple partnership. Woz had a parental attitude toward the circuits he developed and he wanted to be able to use them in other applications or let HP use them, Wayne said. Jobs and I realized that these circuits would be the core of Apple. We spent two hours in a roundtable discussion at my apartment, and I was able to get Woz to accept this. His argument was that a great engineer would be remembered only if he teamed with a great marketer, and this required him to commit his designs to the partnership. Jobs was so impressed and grateful that he offered Wayne a 10% stake in the new partnership, turning him into a tiebreaker if Jobs and Wozniak disagreed over an issue. They were very different, but they made a powerful team, said Wayne. Jobs, at times, seemed to be driven by demons, while Waz seemed a naive who was toyed with by angels. Jobs had a bravado that helped him get things done, occasionally by manipulating people. He could be charismatic, even mesmerizing, but also cold and brutal. Wozniak in contrast, was shy and socially awkward, which made him seem childishly sweet. Woz is very bright in some areas, but he's almost like a savant, since he was so stunted when it comes to when it came to dealing with people, he didn't know, said Jobs. We were a good pair. It helped that Jobs was awed by Wozniak's engineering wizardry and Wozniak was awed by Job's business drive. I never wanted to deal with people and step on toes, but Steve could call up people he didn't know and make them do things, Wozniak recalled. He could be rough on people he didn't think were smart, but he never treated me rudely, even in later years when maybe I couldn't answer a question as well as he wanted. Even after Wozniak became convinced that his new computer design should become the property of the Apple partnership, he felt that he had to offer it first to HP since he was working there. I believed it was my duty to tell HP what I had designed while working for them. That was the right thing and the ethical thing, so he demonstrated it to his managers in the spring of 1976. The senior executive at the meeting was impressed and seemed torn but he finally said it was not something that HP could develop. It was a hobbyist product, at least for now, and didn't fit into the company's high quality market segments. I was disappointed, Wozniak recalled, but now I was free to enter into the Apple partnership. So, and you gotta think about this. I'm gonna jump in here, the, the twist of uh, situations and the fate and of Apple. So. Waz is working at HP. HP could have been Apple. HP, Hewlett-Packard, which still exists today, could have been Apple. You had the designer of Apple, the computer, working on his designs, and he feels like he's got to offer it to HP, which is the right thing to do. I mean, if you're working at a company, you know, and you're working on their time and dime, and you're working on your side project, and you have access, you know, and you have – you have their tools you have you have basically their support even though it's not it wasn't like hey we want you to work on this you're doing it so he's got this going on so he brings it to HP and he says hey guys i'm working on designing you know this uh this little project over here and i got this design for a computer you know i'm engineering A computer personal computer what do you guys think do you want to take this on and maybe we could develop it meaning HP and they're like no no it's like a hobbyist thing we're not really into into it so they pass they pass so remember that hope right and reality and belief you know he hopes their reality is no thank you because they don't believe and they pass So now we're going to jump back into the story. So on April 1st, 1976, Jobs and Wozniak went to Wayne's apartment in Mountain View to draw up the partnership agreement. Wayne said he had some experience writing in legalese, so he composed the three-page document himself. His legalese got the better of him. Paragraphs began with various flourishes. Be it noted herewith be it further noted herewith. Now, the reform. In consideration of the respective assignments of interest. But, the division of shares and profits was clear. 45%, 45%, 10%. And it was stipulated that any expenditures of more than $100 would require agreement of at least two of the partners. Also, the responsibilities were spelled out. Wozniak shall assume both general and major responsibility for the conduct of electrical engineering. Jobs shall assume general responsibility for electrical engineering and marketing. And Wayne shall assume major responsibility for mechanical engineering and documentation. Jobs signed in lowercase script, Wozniak in careful cursive, and Wayne in an illegal... or not an illegal... An ill ill eligible squiggle. Wayne then got cold feet. So I'm gonna pause here for a second. So here's the deal. They write up the contract. This is the beginning of our company, Apple Computer. We're ready to roll. We got it. We're forming it up. We're ready to do this. And then it says Wayne gets cold feet. So Wayne writes this thing up. He's got 10% of the company. Steve Jobs has 45%, and Steve Wozniak has 45%. So Wayne gets cold feet. So let's jump back in here. So as Jobs started planning to borrow and spend more money, he recalled the failure of his own company. He didn't want to go through that again. Jobs and Wozniak had no personal assets, but Wayne, who worried about a global financial Armageddon, kept gold coins hidden in his mattress. Because they had structured Apple as a simple partnership rather than a corporation, the partners would be personally liable for the debts, and Wayne was afraid potential creditors would go after him. So he returned to Santa Clara County office just 11 days later with a statement of withdrawal and an amendment to the partnership agreement. By virtue of reassessment of understanding by and between all parties, it began, Wayne shall hereinafter cease to function in the status of partner. It noted that in payment for his 10% of the company, he received $800 and sh- shortly afterward, $1,500 more. So let's recap that for a second you're forming a company there's a couple little tidbits in there I wanna I wanna dive in and throw in my two cents for whatever it's worth you're forming a company you decide you want to form a partnership you could do that you could write something up we're partners We're. you know you have this percent I have that percent these are your duties these are my duties basic partnership right then you also have corporations you know, which like my companies are formed at corporations. So then you have, you still have, you know, percentage ownership, but you also have protections called, you know, corporate protections, called liability protections from your, between yourself and the company. There's like a little bit of a buffer in there. So you're not personally uh, liable for everything. Now, sometimes people will want you still. To be personally liable and they guarantee things personally but for the most part when you're forming a company the reason you're doing that is because you want to you want to decrease your liability you want to have that buffer in between you and the company that protects you if something goes wrong and because Wayne does have some personal assets and he had a company that failed before um, so he's kind of like a little bit um, scarred from that experience but he also has personal assets so he's afraid if things go south which they're very likely to do what's the chance we're gonna be in the top five percent of businesses that actually are successful Um, this is a new venture these guys don't really have anything to lose they're all in they're kinda gambling but Wayne being a little scared that he may come up short he decides you know what I'm signed up. I got 10%, but it's not really worth it, so I'm out. So he goes and he withdraws himself from the company. He goes and he amends the partnership agreement to pull himself out, which he gets 800 bucks and then he's going to get 1500 more. So that's a total of $2300 and he can sleep at night knowing I'm out. I don't have anything to worry about if things go south not on me not coming after me and he basically quits the company as far as being a partner again back to the theme hope reality and belief Steve Jobs Steve Wozniak a lot of hope right there's a lot of hope that's what we started with hope we hope this is gonna work We hope this company is going to take off. We hope this idea of building a personal computer is a good one. And we hope it's going to be successful. We hope it will be something that people want. There's a lot of hope. Then there's the reality. The reality we never did this before. The reality most businesses fail. Small businesses fail. The reality is we don't even really have much money. But there's another reality. Wozniak is a really good designer. Wozniak is a really good engineer. Steve Jobs is a really good pitch guy. He's a really good marketer. He is a really good, I guess you could say, maybe instinctual. You could call it street smarts. You could call it business savvy. Um, That's a reality. And he's already demonstrated that before a couple of times. And Wozniak demonstrated it when he built the blue box when he built some of the other things that he built. he demonstrated it, so there is hope, and then there is reality, but the reality that, yeah, businesses do fail, most of them don't succeed in the first you know ninety seven percent are going to be going out of business before anything even gets started so now what and we're talking about a company uh last year. You know that they did how many billions of dollars in sales, we know how successful Apple is, but this is nineteen seventy six untested unproven, maybe crashing you know right now, Apple for a share of apple there it's three hundred and fifty two dollars. you know the market capitalization is something over a couple hundred billion dollars, but this is nineteen seventy six where they can barely scrape together a few thousand dollars. And so what happens? Wayne backs out. Because he doesn't have the belief. He had a little bit of hope, but he doesn't have the belief. And that's going to be a reality for a lot of people. If you're getting into a new company or you're starting a new business, the belief, do you believe? Steve believes. Wozniak, you could see he was a little bit on the fence. He was still trying to keep his job at HP and not so sure but steve's like you know this is our opportunity man we're going to start a company we started a company this thing's going to go so that's important especially for the leader to have that kind of conviction that kind of belief um, to be able to turn the idea into a reality but wayne backs out what does that cost wayne this is this is oh this made my stomach hurt when i read this so had he stayed on and kept his 10% stake at the end of 2010 it would have been worth approximately approximately 2.6 billion that's billion with a b billion dollars Instead he was then living alone in a small home in parump nevada where he played penny slot machines and lived off his social security check he later claimed he had no regrets i made the best decision for me at the time both of them were real whirlwinds and i knew my stomach and it wasn't ready for such a ride oh that hurts 2.6 billion dollars. He got 2300 bucks and uh thanks. Thanks for helping out. Could have been 2.6 billion dollars. So, you know, you got to ask yourself sometimes, you know, where's your where's your level of hope? Where's your level of belief? Are you willing to take a chance and make something a reality? Um, so now, kind of fast forward in here, they're getting going, right? They're building this computer, um, and one of the things they need to do is they're building the circuit board. Um, is they need, you know, they need to make some sales. So they get an order, and they're doing they're doing a a presentation at the homebrew P- computer club. And they they get an order for these circuit boards. When they get this order for these circuit boards, they got awesome, they got an order, but they got a problem. They don't have the parts. They don't have the supplies to make it. So they're up on stage, Jobs and Wozniak. They take the stage together for a presentation to the Homebrew Computer Club shortly after they signed Apple into existence. Wozniak held up one of their newly produced circuit boards and described the microprocessor, the eight kilobytes of memory, that's a kilobyte, eight kilobytes at the time, right? That's huge, now it's like nothing. And the version of basic he had written. He also emphasized what he called the main thing, a human typable keyboard instead of a stupid cryptic front panel with a bunch of lights and switches. Then it was Jobs' turn. He pointed out that the Apple, unlike the Altair, had all the essential components built in. Then he challenged them with a question. How much would people be willing to pay for such a wonderful machine? He was trying to get them to see the amazing value of the Apple. It was a rhetorical flourish he would use at product presentations over the ensuing decades. The audience was not very impressed. The Apple had a cut-rate microprocessor, not the Intel 8080. But one important person stayed behind to hear more. His name was Paul Terrell, and in 1975, he had opened a computer store, which he dubbed The Bite Shop, on Camino Real in Menlo Park. Now, a year later, he had three stores and visions of building a national chain. Jobs was thrilled to give him a private demo. Take a look at this, he said. You're going to like what you see. Terrell was impressed enough to hand Jobs and Waz his card. Keep in touch, he said. I'm keeping in touch, Jobs announced the next day when he walked barefoot into the bite shop. He made the sale. Terrell agreed to order 50 computers. But there was a condition. He didn't want just $50 printed circuit boards for which customers would then have to buy all the chips and do the assembly. That might appeal to a few hardcore hobbyists, but not to most customers. Instead, he wanted the boards to be fully assembled for what he was willing to pay, about $500 apiece cash on delivery. Jobs immediately called Wozniak at HP. Are you sitting down? He asked. Wozniak said he wasn't. Jobs, nevertheless, proceeded to give him the news. I was shocked, just completely shocked, Wozniak recalled. I will never forget that moment. To fill the order, they needed about $15,000 worth of parts. Alan Baum, the third prankster from Homestead High, and his father agreed to loan them $5,000. Jobs tried to borrow more from a bank in Los Altos, but the manager looked at him and, not surprisingly, declined. He went to Haltech Supply and offered an equity stake in Apple in return for the parts, but the owner decided they were a couple of young, scruffy-looking guys and declined. Alcorn at Atari would sell them chips only if they paid cash up front. Finally, Jobs was able to convince the manager of Kramer Electronics to call Paul Terrell to confirm that he had really committed to a $25,000 order. Terrell was at a conference when he heard over a loudspeaker that he had an emergency call. Jobs had been persistent. The Kramer manager told him that two scruffy kids had just walked in, waving an order from the bite shop. Was it real? Terrell confirmed that it was, and the store agreed to front jobs the parts on third on a thirty day credit. So there you go. Was it real? So what happens, right? There's rejection, rejection, denied, denied. When you're starting a company, when you're trying to do something, you gotta be prepared to face a lot of rejection. Um, what if he had given up? What if Steve Jobs, young Steve Jobs, and Steve Wozniak were like, no, you know what? No one wants to give us the money. No one wants to lend us the parts. No one wants to friend us the supplies. We got this one guy that believes in us. He wants these things fully assembled. They could. They had so many reasons. All of us will always have a lot of reasons to quit, a lot of reasons to give up. Um, but they're like, no. And he walks in. Up, you know, he's walking in plates, barefoot. You know, long hair, smelling like, hey, uh, can I get a loan? No, you can't get a loan. We're not loaning you any money. And so there's a lot of doubt. There's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of question marks in the air and that's the same thing we're all faced with you know you're starting a job you're you're trying to start anything and all of a sudden you go in and you got this enthusiasm like he walked in there like hey look I got this piece of paper right here this guy's gonna buy $25,000 worth of computers I just need these parts so I can make the computers but I don't have the money to get the parts will you give me the money and they look down you're wearing no shoes you look like a homeless person and they tell him no. And so and then Wozniak he doesn't even have the courage to walk into the place. And so that's the kind of company that, you know, when you hear this, when you hear stories like this, you're like, man, they're screwed. You got to believe it. There's no way that this is going to go anywhere. There's no way. But they pull it off. And that's where the persistence comes in. Um and that's where those two things, and hope and reality are kind of the dichotomy of you know you have to believe in it you have to hope it works and most of the time it's not gonna work and Steve whether he accepted that we know he didn't or whether he even knew about it it he didn't let it affect him. Um in Wozniak you know he's at HP so he's like all right you know if this thing doesn't work I still got my job um, but Steve this is it he's all in and when I first started the salon I had two jobs and I started the salon, and I was out. I was educating. I was working, um, you know, as an educator in the field, and I was also working in a school as a as a teacher, in beauty school. And then I was starting my company. So I kind of was like Wozniak in a sense. You know, I had this fallback, and it kind of didn't really, you know, it kind of was puttering along. But it wasn't until I left both jobs and i had only one focus which was my new company that i was just getting started which you say which you can call pot committed all in that thing's really started to take off and that's that's the same that's the boat steve was in at that time you know he had, that was all he had Right it was Apple computer, Apple computer. he went to sleep on Apple computer. he woke up thinking about Apple computer. he you know brush his teeth, maybe thinking about Apple computer. Everything he did revolved around that, so he was what they call pot committed and I think back to one of my mentors shared a story with me about you know about um chickens and pigs, and when you think about breakfast and you think about. The chicken and the pig, when it comes to breakfast, what's the difference between the chicken and what's the difference between the pig? So, you have bacon and eggs, right? You got a chicken and you got a pig. The difference between the two, when it comes to breakfast, is the chicken is involved, but the pig is fully committed, and that's where you got to be. You know, the pig is fully committed, the pig. Had to die to get that bacon on that plate. The chicken just had to play a role, had to play a part, had had some involvement, but weren't fully committed. And that's where you got to be. Um, if you want something as bad as you know these guys, and you can hear just where they're going, um, and and how bad they want this thing to work, to get this first computer to be able to fulfill that order for twenty five thousand dollars. You know, if you want something that bad. Um, You got to be fully committed. It's called pot committed. It's called, you know, pig committed. It's called whatever. But that's what it's going to take if you really want it that bad. Um, So that was the beginning. You know, that was the Apple one. Being able to fulfill that order, all hands on deck, in the garage. Um, They're going to town. They're working around the clock. They're, you know everything we like we need all everybody roll your sleeves up mom dad whoever um because Wozniak's building these circuit boards and we got people you know just teaching them how to you know solder just solder a little chip here you know they don't got to build it Wozniak's got the design so he's doing the heavy lifting and then everybody else um they got all hands on deck they're in there and they're all helping uh, put together this thing and that was the beginning. That was the Apple One. And you can see, I mean, the the demo though, this one behind me that I've got, this is the like who would who would who would want this thing, right? This is the Apple One original that was coming out of the garage um in nineteen seventy six. Being able to get this thing built, um being able to um get this back to the bite shop, being able to fulfill that order so they they're going hardcore and they've got you know they got mom they got you know dad they got everybody friends everybody's in there and so after a dozen assembled boards had been approved by Wozniak jobs drove them over to the bite shop Terrell was a bit taken aback there was no power supply case monitor or keyboard he had expected something more finished but jobs stared him down and he agreed to take delivery and pay. After 30 days, Apple was on the verge of being profitable. We were able to find we were able to build the boards more cheaply than we thought because I got a good deal on parts, jobs recalled. So the 50 we sold to the bite shop almost paid for all the material we needed to make a hundred boards. Now they could make a real profit by selling the remaining 50 to their friends at Homebrew compatriots. Elizabeth Holmes officially became the part-time bookkeeper at $4 an hour, driving down from San Francisco once a week and figuring out how to port Jobs' checkbook into a ledger. In order to make Apple seem like a real company, Jobs hired an answering service which would relay messages to his mother. Ron Wayne drew a logo using the ornate line drawing style of Victorian illustrated fiction that featured Newton sitting under a tree framed by a quote from Wordsworth, a mind forever voyaging through the strange seas of thought alone. It was a rather odd motto, one that fit Wayne's self-imaging more than Apple computer. Perhaps a better Wordsworth line would have been the poet's description of those involved in the start of the French Revolution. Bliss was it in that dawn to be alive, but to be young was very heaven. As Wozniak later exulted, We are, were participating in the b- biggest revolution that had ever happened, I thought. I was so happy to be part of it. Waz had already begun thinking about the next version of the machine, so they started calling their current model the Apple One. Jobs and Woz would drive up and down Camino Real, trying to get the electronics stores to sell it. In addition to the 50 sold by the bite shop and almost 50 sold to friends, they were building another 100 for retail outlets. Not surprisingly, they had contradictory impulses. Wozniak wanted to sell them for about what it cost to build them, but Jobs wanted to make a serious profit. Jobs prevailed. He picked a retail price that was about three times what it cost to build the boards and a 33% markup over the $500 wholesale price that Terrell and other stores paid. The result was $666.66. I was always into repeating digits, Wozniak said. The phone number from my dial-a-joke service was 255-6666. Neither of them knew it, neither of them knew that in the book of Revelations, 666 symbolized the number of the beast. (laughs) But they soon were faced with complaints, especially after 666 was featured in that year's hit movie, The Omen. In 2010, one of the original Apple One computers was sold at auction by Christie's for two hundred and thirteen thousand dollars. The first feature story on the new machine appeared in the July 1976 issue of Interface, a now defunct hobbyist magazine. Jobs and friends were still making them by hand in his house, but the article referred to him as the Director of Marketing and a former private consultant to Atari. It made Apple sound like a real company. Steve communicates with many of the computer clubs to keep his finger on the heartbeat of this young industry, the article reported, and it quoted him explaining, If we can rap about their needs, feelings, and motivations, we can respond appropriately by giving them what they want. By the time they had... Other competitors, in addition to the Altair, most notably the IMSAI 8080 and Processor Technology Corporation's SOL 20, the latter was designed by Lee Felsenstein and Gordon French of the Homebrew Computer Club. They all had the chance to go on display during Labor Day weekend of 1976 at the first annual Personal Computer Festival held in a tired hotel on the decaying boardwalk of Atlantic City, New Jersey. Jobs and Wozniak took a TWA flight to Philadelphia, cradling one cigar box with the Apple One, and another with the prototype for the successor that Woz was working on. Sitting in the row behind them was Felsenstein, who looked at the Apple One and pronounced it thoroughly unimpressive. Wozniak was unnerved by the conversation in the row behind him. We could hear them talking in advanced business talk, he recalled, using business-like acronyms we'd never heard of before. Wozniak spent most of his time in their hotel room tweaking his new prototype. He was too shy to stand at the card table that Apple had been assigned near the back of the exhibition hall. Daniel Kotke had taken the train down from Manhattan where he was now attending Columbia and he manned the table while Jobs walked the floor to inspect the competition. What he saw did not impress him. Wozniak, he felt reassured, was the best circuit engineer and the Apple One, and surely its successor would beat the competition in terms of functionality. However, the SOL 20 was better looking. It had a sleek metal case, a keyboard, a power supply, and cables. It looked as if it had been produced by grown-ups. The Apple One, on the other hand, appeared as scruffy as its creators. And that's where we're going to finish up today. So when you see this, right, this one behind me, if you're, if you're on um, Instagram, you may not be able to see it. You can check it out on the Facebook page. It'll also be on a post later. But their design versus some of these competitors even though what's in the you know hardware that's in there that's in the machine it works and it works really well and they f- feel like Steve feels it's way better we got a, we have a better machine better functionality we've got it going on but it doesn't look better and looks you know are real people see what you know your machine looks like so that's when Steve is really starting to think about, you know, aesthetics. He knows he's got Wozniak. That's the ace up up his sleeve. He's the best engineer out there, and he can build a better computer. Uh, but we not only Steve is not thinking. You know, we not only need a better computer, we need a better looking computer. And you can see that fast forward through all the devices after this. Um, we'll talk about in the next episode about the Apple II and beyond. Uh, you'll you start to see that Steve is now really paying attention to those aesthetics. Steve is really looking at what does the machine look like? What is the outside of the machine look like? What is the presentation? We already got the inside covered but then the aesthetics and making a product that's beautiful something that feels good in your hands. You know, look at an iPhone and I talked about this the other day with you know having a case on it. You know, I like to take the case off. It just feels like it just fits, right? It feels it's a beautiful Design, but right, also it works amazingly. So, those are the two things, and that's where Wozniak, Steve Wozniak, and Steve Jobs um, coming together created that magic of Apple Computer. So, hopefully, you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, picked up a few things, you know, thinking about business, how they form their company, things to think about, having hope, you know, having belief to get to reality, you know, and and What happens when you don't? When you don't have hope and you don't have belief, how does that affect you? Um, Think about that guy, he walked away with $2,300 because he feared the unknown. Where if he had stayed on with his 10%, he could have had $2.6 billion. Hope versus reality. And where does your belief sit? A lot of things don't exist, guys, and that doesn't mean that they won't. But it takes somebody to believe and have have hope to turn that thing that doesn't exist, uh, turn an idea into reality. So hopefully you guys are working on your hope, your belief and creating your reality. And I'll see you guys tomorrow. Um, We'll be back for some story time and we'll continue this journey. And we'll talk about some of the other um, cool little things that happened along the way in building one of the most iconic brands, one of the most iconic companies, um, and one of the most iconic individuals of our time, Steve Jobs, and Apple computer, now just known as Apple. So thanks for hanging out with Storytime today, and I will see you guys on the next episode. Hey guys, Sunny D here again. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. Hopefully you got some fun facts, some cool insights. I mean, I get motivated every time I read this or reread this story just to think like where the company started and where they're at today, hundreds of billions of dollars later. Um, had they just given up on the, some of those early hiccups those early obstacles those early where the writing was on the wall like you know what boys take your toys and just go home had they given in to those pressures those early pressures uh, we wouldn't be enjoying what we enjoy today the tools that i'm using right now i'm using their products to produce this podcast to produce the live show to produce my company you know i use so many of their products that wouldn't exist and the world definitely would be a little different a lot different actually um, without them having the belief and taking those early risks so hope you guys enjoy the episode be back for another episode tomorrow another episode of story time if you want to join live live come on instagram facebook on my facebook page i'm live streaming in the mornings while i'm recording the episode you can check it out Invite your friends, tell your friends, and also if you would, um, I just ask if you would, if you could find it in your heart of hearts to leave a review, five-star review, leave a rating for the podcast, send me a screenshot when you do that, and I've got a free I heart YFYI limited edition t-shirt with your name on it. And I'll mail that out to you for that review. If you can show me that screenshot, I would appreciate it. That helps the podcast get discovered. Helps more people learn about the YFYI podcast, the movement, and maybe share some inspiring, motivating, and educational um, information with a friend. So thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in. Um, And we'll see you on the next episode. And remember, this is the place where you come to learn how to build your business right once or else you will be doomed to have to build it again. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon.